The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Speaking of which, coming up in 20 minutes, there's a proliferating series of scams right now that are trying to separate you from your money. I need to tell you how these email scams operate so you can protect yourself. That's in today's Clark Rages. And then later this hour, there's been such a big fuss, and there's never a week that goes by that people don't ask me about cryptocurrencies, that they believe they're going to dare to be rich being in. Well, Bitcoin The original cryptocurrency is having a really rough ride right now, and I want you to know how this affects you and all these people out there touting ways for you to dare to be rich. Clark.com is our website. You want deals, legit deals, not cryptocurrency fake deals, go to ClarkDeals.com, and when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. You may have heard the headlines about the ban on tablets and computers, anything bigger than a smartphone, traveling in the passenger companion on a number of airlines on flights coming out of, uh, I think it's eight countries for the foreseeable future. And this is a little peak into what we may have coming here in the United States. Just as the three-ounce liquid restriction in carry-on bags swept the globe in short order when that went into effect years ago and has never gone away, it is possible that we will see restrictions on tablets and laptops, on flights within the United States and flights from the United States overseas and a wider number of countries overseas here to the U.S. where there may be restrictions on those kind of things being in your carry-on. Already today, business travelers are freaking out about not being able to work on flights because so many business travelers, I fly almost every week and I'm as guilty as any other person on a flight. I'm working the whole flight on my laptop. Well, that will come to a halt, and I won't be able to do that anymore. And for a lot of people, that feels like a loss of very productive time. But like anything else, we adjust. I remember right after the restrictions of three ounces or less, it's actually 3.4 ounces if you want to get technical, on liquids where you have to put them in that plastic bag and all that, when that went into effect, people thought that the world had ended, it seemed, at airports. And I'm amazed even now, all these years later, there are people who get stopped at security with a big bottle of something, shampoo or whatever, and they act surprised that they're not allowed to take it through, which means either they were just trying to get a bottle of shampoo through, or they don't fly a lot. But it was a quick adjustment. What I did was the big problem for me was shaving cream. So what I learned very quickly flying is that 
hotel conditioner works just fine as a substitute for shaving cream. So I adjusted. Had to start carrying three ounce tubes of toothpaste. I buy actually a 2.8 ounce tube that I can get at Dollar Tree. I wish I could get that last 0.2 of an ounce. But anyway, I just take the little tube of toothpaste. You, You adjust to things and you just do fine. And the threat assessment that led to this ban on the laptops and tablets may turn out to be false information, a false lead. You never know. People involved in intelligence work are going based on information, many times from informants or from intercepted communications, that may be imprecise or may be inaccurate. And so it is part art and part science when things like this are done. And there are some people that will be inconvenienced. One of the big issues involves that every airline on earth refuses to cover lost, stolen, or damaged electronics. And that would be something that airlines would have to change if you and I were no longer allowed to bring our electronics with us as carry-on. But we will adjust. And... The terrorist threat is an ever-evolving one. And remember, the first responsibility of intelligence services is to keep us safe. And again, they will make mistakes. But I'd rather make a mistake where I can't have my laptop with me than not being cautious enough and ending up in a terrorist incident where somebody tries to blow a plane out of the sky because they're using some kind of plastique or something in a laptop or a tablet. So we will adjust. It is not the end of the world. And the best thing for me is it'll force me to dial down and relax and maybe watch uh, something I never do, a TV show or a movie or something like that. And it's not going to be an awful thing. For my son, having his Nintendo 3DS XL, I think I got the name right, getting that taken away from him is going to be an absolute catastrophe on flights. But even he will adjust to it. And we'll see how long this kind of ban on activity goes on. And remember, the terrorist threat is continually evolving, always morphing, and we need to be prepared to make the changes necessary. Because remember, what we're being asked to do, or compelled to do, is nothing compared to the bravery and sacrifices that have been made over the years by our wonderful patriotic men and women who serve in the U.S. military. Thomas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Thomas. How are you today? I'm very well, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. What's going on in your world? Listen, i got to tell you first, I listen to you all the time. I talk to many financial people. I said, you got to check this guy out, because <laughs> your advice is good and I treasure it. Well, you are so kind. Thank you. 
Um, what's going on is my son lives in Rhode Island. He's got three young girls. The oldest is five. And when the firstborn came, he opened up a 529 in Rhode Island in her name. I, uh, I don't believe he's added a 529 for the other two that came along. But nonetheless, I tried to encourage him to uh, look at your site and go with either the honor roll or Dean's because Rhode Island is not on um, on your site at all. So obviously I tried to steer him to the Dean's. Yeah, Rhode Island historically has been a very high-cost State for a 529 plan. Okay. So I guess my question really is, I guess then that tells me that it's worth my while to urge him to, uh, he he can make a change, I'm assuming, to that, correct? Yes. Once a year, you can move your 529 plan money from one plan sponsor to another. So what I would normally recommend to someone who lives in a state that is not on my honor roll or dean's list, is that the 529 plan money be transferred to a plan on my dean's list with high honors, of which there used to be, if I remember right, three plans, and now I have eight. Because Uh the, the 529 plans generally around the country have gotten better and better and better. And there are many plans now... Every plan that I recommend is one that you buy what's known as direct sold, where you buy the plan directly from the plan sponsor, not going through a high-commission salesperson. 529 plan should never, ever, ever be purchased through a stockbroker. Never. Because the commissions are gigantic to buy a 529 plan through a stockbroker. And if you can get your son to go look at my plan guide to 529s, everything available has a hyperlink to a state-sponsored direct-sold plan that bypasses the ultra-high commissions that might be charged otherwise. Okay, now what about the point that uh, I believe I've heard you say that you shouldn't put it in the child's name? Right. A 529 plan is best owned in the parent's name for the benefit of a child. The reason is, and I'd be surprised if your son actually, he may have done that and thinks he put it, the ownership, in the name of a child. The reason you do that is the formula and how financial aid is calculated for a college student is much more favorable on a 529 plan in the ownership of a parent for the benefic- with the child being the beneficiary than when a child actually owns his or her own 529 plan. Okay, one last thing. Uh, is it necessary to open or suggested, either way, to put uh, to open up a 529 for each child or just open one? and You have to have open one money? for the benefit of each child. So a parent would typically own three 529 plan accounts because you said he has three kids, right? Yes. yes. So he'd, own, he'd have three 529 plan accounts that he would own or his wife would own with each child being the beneficiary of one of the three accounts. Okay. And now you can, if, if you, there is a there is an alternative some people do where they have only one 529 account with only the oldest child being the beneficiary of that account. And then if there's a meaningful age gap between the kids, and then when the first kid finishes, whatever money's left over is transferred 
to the second is the beneficiary, because you can change the beneficiary designation tax and penalty free. But it's much simpler to have a 529 plan for each child. And if I open, if I decided to open one for one of the uh, kids, I would put it in my son's name or my name or... What a great question. So here's what I recommend is if you trust your son implicitly with how he handles money, is you're allowed to give your son up to $14,000 each year without any tax implications. So it's better to gift the money to your son for your son to then put into a 529 plan account that he owns for the benefit of a child. Okay, that's great. Uh, you've, You've answered all my questions. As well, usual. Well, great. I'm glad I could help. And uh, your son is paying a very high tax bill living in Rhode Island. Does he know that? Yeah, I, I've you know he's so they're so busy. Him and his wife are just so busy with these three young kids. You know, he doesn't get a lot of time. To, he's a very smart kid, but he doesn't get a lot of time to research the things that I suggest him. So that's why I made this call, and I have a little more impetus. You know, to, well, to very good. I'm actually flying out of Providence, Rhode Island this summer on one of the new ultra-cheap air flights. I'm going on a $65 flight out of Providence to Edinburgh, Scotland, which is a very, very cheap fare. It's time for today's Clark Rageous Moment. You need to be really on top of this because we are moving into the heart of tax season and scammers are working big time to steal your money. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So the deal here that you need to be aware of is that scamsters, hackers, are breaking into your email very actively right now. And what they do is they look for how you do your taxes. And if they see something that you're using uh, TurboTax or a tax cut or, or H&R Block, whatever, that you're using tax prep software, they will then send you a pretext email pretending to be from the tax service saying that they need information updated from you for processing your tax return. And so the IRS says what they'll do is they'll then try to get out of you key personal information, such as you might get one saying that they had trouble with your bank deposit routing numbers for receiving your payment, and they'll get out of you your checking account information. Or they may say they need to update your password on your account. What's your old password? Put in your new password, and then they've got your actual real password. Or they may do the oldest scam of all, try to get out of you your Social Security number. Know that whatever tax prep software you're using, they're not going to send you an email within which you are supposed to respond with key personal information. If there's any issue... They would ask you to contact them only. They would never ask you to update in responding to an email from them. 
Second thing, the IRS has put out like an all-points bulletin alert. This is the second year they've done so to tax preparers. And tax preparers are so busy with such a blizzard of paperwork, they may have missed this two years in a row. But if people who've cracked into your email see that you use a CPA to do your tax or enrolled agent or whatever, they may then impersonate you and send an email to your preparer telling them that your information has changed for where you want your refund to go. And then they will steal your refund. Preparers are supposed to know to verify by phone with you that you really wish for your direct deposit instructions to change. Because once the money takes a one-way trip, there's no way to get it back from the scammers. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about empowerment with knowledge so that you can pack a punch in your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. If you have a question just in general you want to get answered, you know you can get an answer from a member of our team. For the last 24 years, we have offered free off-the-air advice from Team Clark. When you go down the homepage of clark.com, you'll see how to get that free off-the-air advice 45 hours each week. I want to talk about, you know, I say the third thing is, Avoiding ripoffs. I want to talk about one that has been so hot, hot, hot lately. Ripoff alerts, ripoff alerts. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. It involves what sometimes is referred to as cryptocurrency. And there's never a week that goes by now, sometimes not even a day where I don't get a call from somebody wanting to invest, the word they use, in a new cryptocurrency. So here's the idea, is that you buy somebody's made-up money, not backed up by any government, and you are going to have untold, unbelievable wealth being on the ground floor of a new made-up money. 
Now, I know if you have never heard of cryptocurrency, you're probably rolling your eyes. Who would believe that? But there is a potential role to be played with non-governmental money. There's one that's been around for years called Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has had its issues from the beginning, but it actually is used by people to do transactions. In, unfortunately, too many cases, it's for illegal activities that people are using Bitcoin as a way to transact so there's no tracing by government of the movement of funds. And Bitcoins have a value that continually changes as to what they're worth in real money. So someone can buy something, they're buying from somebody who only wants to be paid in Bitcoin, or you can sell something where somebody is paying you in Bitcoin, whatever, and you can immediately turn it into whatever money you would prefer to have as real money. And the idea here is that it gives you the ability to forgetting the criminal element It gives anyone the ability to transact around the world without having the enormous spread in currency exchange going from one money to another. So it allows very rapid payment anywhere on the globe. But this is where things have gotten lost, is people looking at Bitcoin or the Bitcoin wannabes as an investment. These things are not an investment. And people buying them thinking that they're buying an investment are speculators or worse. In the case of Bitcoin, last week in just three days, the overall value of Bitcoins in circulation fell by $2 billion because there was a big dispute going on among, for lack of a better term, market makers in Bitcoins. And... At one point, the value dropped billions in just minutes. And there are all kinds of crazy predictions. The Russians, in their propaganda arm, RT, says that Bitcoins are now going to triple in value. I mean, come on. So what you need to know is that using an alternative payment system, which is what Bitcoin is, is a way to transact, that's fine. But buying something like this is a way you think you're going to make money. Know that the wild movements lead to an equal number of losers with the winners. And anytime you get in something speculative, it can be ugly. But this is where it gets uglier. There are now a number of promoters promoting their own new fake money and even doing multi-level marketing of fake money and saying you're going to get rich being in fake money. Know that any money, whatever it is, is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. You know, if you know your history and you go back to the 19 late 20s in Germany, people needed a wheelbarrow to buy a piece of bread. 
a wheelbarrow of money because the then German mark became so useless, so worthless because of hyperinflation that it took an entire wheelbarrow full of paper bills to buy a piece of bread. So money of any kind, government-issued or these cryptocurrencies, is only worth what the marketplace says at a time. But having money that moves up and down in such radical movements like Bitcoin does right now tells you even Bitcoin, the granddaddy of non-governmental money, itself remains very unstable. Be careful. You can really get burned. Anurag is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Clark. You want to talk Sam's Club versus Costco Wholesale, is that right? That is right, but before I do that, can I tell you something? What's that? I'm a big fan of yours, and I'm such a big fan. I have you on so often that my wife, who isn't usually interested in money and finance, is slowly becoming interested in that stuff, and and that's great. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. So you're telling me I'm successfully brainwashing your wife? Yes, yes, <laughs> in, in a lot of good ways. So okay. thank you. I'm glad they're good ways. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my question is, you know, as we know, the Costco membership is going up. And in light of that, there are a lot of deals popping up about Sam's Club. And you mentioned some deals about a good, good deal on some online websites and so forth on Sam's Club membership. And we live in an area in California where we don't have Sam's Club nearby uh, within 100-mile radius. So my question was, are Sam's Club online deals and their online delivery system worth it to get those uh, deals to become a Sam's Club member? So that is an intriguing question. No one has ever asked me that. The Sam's Club online, samsclub.com, they're working harder and harder to beef that up, but it is not a replacement for shopping in the Sam's Club stores. It's really a supplement to it, but it's very low risk. You know, with the deal that you may have heard me talk about with Groupon, where you pay $30 for a year of Sam's Club membership, and then they give you $10 back on your first purchase, net cost of 20 it would be a worthwhile uh, risk. It wouldn't even be a gamble to pay what would be a net of $20 to have access to samsclub.com deals all year for an entire year. And if a year from now it's like that was a waste of our money, you just don't renew. Oh, that makes sense. But once you become the member, can you become the member fully online or do you have to validate something? No, like no, you could be you could be an online member as best I... No, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. You're right. You'd have to go into a store to activate your membership. I didn't think I, about that. Okay, got so it. So I don't... I'm so looking maybe, right now. I don't see that you could join and take advantage of the discount and do that all online. Let's see. Purchaser must provide a valid ID at Sam's Club membership desk to get the valid membership card. 
So it's a great thought. So uh, if you want to join online, it says, Joel, you can join online. That's what it looks like from their site. But I don't see how you get this special discount right now. Yeah, you might not be able to get the discount by doing that. I'm not sure. So it it may not work for your situation. Or or if you're ever in the area where there is a local Sam's Club, you could go in after purchasing it online or something like that. Right. That would probably work. Okay. And, you know, Costco, talking about Costco's membership increase, that's why Sam's is doing the 30 versus the new Costco 60 going to effect in June. And the reason that they're doing the 55 to 60 at Costco is historically every five years, Costco right. goes up $5 and, on and their membership. Right, and we're not thinking about canceling our membership to Costco. We'll still continue to be a Costco member because of a lot of other things, and we were just wondering if we could take advantage of the Sam's Club deal that are popping up right now. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm a member of both, and I shop at both because they stock different merchandise. Probably about half the goods are very similar at both stores. The other half significantly different. And I am a dedicated Warehouse Club shopper, so I actually think it is advantageous to be a member of both. Miguel is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you today? Good, how are you doing? Great, thank you. You want to talk about how good or bad an idea it is to pay all your bills by credit card, is that right? Yeah, I've been listening to it for a while, and I've been thinking maybe I could pay all my credit card, I mean, all my bills off, and then every week, you know, pay a large amount on my credit card when I get paid. So this, if you if you pay credit card balances in full, is a great idea. Because with the fights going on among the banks for market share with credit cards, there are so many reward cards out there that every single bill that I can pay by credit card, I pay by credit card, and then get the rewards for having done so. So I think it's a great idea as long as you never run a balance on the cards. What do you mean? Um, Like pay it off before the end of the month? Well, just when the bill comes so that you're never paying interest. Because, you know, credit cards all operate based on people who pay balances in full or called behind our backs by the banks, deadbeats. Because we're getting free ride on the credit card's money. And right now, because they're so desperate for customers, not only are they giving us the grace period where we can pay our bills in full, you know, they give us the typically three weeks to pay our bills in full, but then they're rewarding us with cash back or free gasoline or free hotel stays or um, free travel or whatever it is. And it's a deal for people who pay in full okay so i guess listening to you was right Uh, it it works you know it but the thing is we get the deal miguel because of the people who don't pay in full getting clobbered you know for the banks they lend money at an average rate of 17 percent on credit cards and the cost of the money to the bank tends to be about one half a percent 
to 1.5%. So that's quite a spread they're making. And so it's a great deal for us if we pay balances in full, but it's a horrible deal for anybody who's running a balance who is making a massive profit for the bank, and they're also subsidizing all the deals and rewards I get. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, Clark. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Wonderful. You were a little nervous about old records that you have. Well, uh, you know, I've got like 17 years of boxes that I've been accumulating. I'm a real estate agent, so I take a lot of deductions and have a lot of supporting documents for, you know, receipts for different things. And just each box is about 20 pounds, and I'm kind of loading the stuff around. I'd like to get rid of it or as much of it as I can. So I was just kind of see how much I need to keep and what I don't need to keep. So what kind of records do you have that are in these 20-pound crates that uh, is your free weightlifting program? Oh, it's just receipts from everything that I do for for throughout the year, actually. I keep every receipt, every little you know, um, bank statement, uh, credit card receipts, gas receipts. And you work um, for yourself, is that right? Right, right. So yeah. anything older than six years, I would ditch. Okay. And how much of the information is sensitive that if you were to dump it in a trash can, a dumpster diver, a theoretical dumpster yeah. diver, would have a field day with your identity and your information? Well, that's the thing. What about bank statements? How sensitive are those? Extremely. Like bank statements. Extremely. Okay. I have a lot of those. Um, Do you own a shredder? I just have to go through a little one, yeah. <laughs> little one may drive it. you crazy trying to shred I that know. stuff. I'll be doing it for the rest of the year. But compared to, like, if you go to a commercial shredding service, figure you're going to pay, like, a dollar a pound to right, shred. so like two or three hundred dollars is what it's going to cost me. Yeah, so I would rather see you buy a, a shredder that'll allow you to do relatively... Um, what we might call medium volume shredding. I have one that oh. I bought for, I think it was like $59, that I can cram oh. like 20 sheets in at a time. And it makes Perfect. an awful racket. And <laughs> my kids have gotten too old now, but I used to pay my kids to shred for me, and they thought they were making a fortune when I'd give them a dollar or two to do it. I bet, yeah. So do you have any kids okay. you can rent and have them do the shredding got, for you? I've got, tw- got a transient 25-year-old, so I don't know if he's going to be around or not. Yeah, that's not that's not an age you can pay him a dollar or two. So I guess okay, you've well, got, you need to have some mindless TV on and just sit there and shred stuff one after another. Sounds like a plan. Well, thanks a lot for the information. Because you said you had hundreds of pounds, right? Yeah, at least two or three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's that's hundreds of dollars. You don't want to pay that kind of money to pay a commercial shredder to do it. Sometimes credit unions will have a shredding day, try to attract new members where they'll shred stuff for free. But I don't even know how you find out when credit unions are doing those free shredding days. What a neat idea. You know, there's one thing in life you can't put a price on, a good night's sleep. You know, if you're not sleeping well, everything during the next day is difficult. Everything. 
That's why you need a great mattress like Casper. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. That's because they sell directly to you. They are the ones who invented the online mattress business. A Casper mattress comes with supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. If you don't believe me, check out their over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars. That's on Casper, Amazon, and Google. They offer you free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they let you try a Casper mattress for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And if you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything you spent. Come on, for too many years, the mattress industry has forced people into paying notoriously high markup prices. Casper revolutionized that industry. And along with the mattress, they also offer an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. They want to make your night the perfect night's sleep. So try it at no risk for 100 nights. Check out their prices. They are ridiculously affordable. And if you're going to buy today, make sure you go to casper.com slash business because you'll get $50 towards any mattress purchase. That's casper.com slash business. And once you're there, use promo code business. Casper.com slash business, promo code business. Terms and conditions apply. Come on, get yourself the perfect night's sleep. Go to casper.com slash business. Use that promo code business and you'll get $50 off your first mattress, which won't be the last mattress you buy from Casper. Okay, here are some really surprising car facts for you. In Churchill, Canada, residents leave their cars unlocked. That's in case someone needs to escape a polar bear. It's true. And in Sweden, drivers are required by law to keep their headlights on at all times. Day, night, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. And now, here's another interesting and actually helpful thing about cars that you might not know. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for new cars. Their certified dealer network also has an inventory of over 700,000 pre-owned cars nationwide. So whether you're looking for a new or used car, you can get real pricing on actual inventory and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Oh yeah, here's another fun fact. TrueCar customers can see if they're getting a good or great price before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy that car, new or used, visit TrueCar and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Our deal site is ClarkDeals.com. Coming up in a half hour, does Google have a deal for you to keep your kids out of trouble online? And Google's offering a phenomenal service for free. I'll fill you in in just a half hour. So Cadillac is trying to come up with a way to stand out versus all the European luxury brands. And so Cadillac is running something that is being referred to as a test, but I think is really just the first effort in something that will become very common from the automakers. There is an experiment called Drive Clutch. I don't know if you remember, I talked about Drive Clutch year or two ago and it is something where you pay a monthly subscription 
like you'd pay any other monthly subscription for a music service like Spotify or whatever, but much bigger dollars, where you are subscribing to having a car or a truck or an SUV or whatever whenever you want it. And Drive Clutch has been doing this for a while. This is really only for rich people right now because you pay, depending on which plan you sign up for, $950 a month or $1,400 a month. And what it covers is it covers you driving whatever you want within reason. They've got a pretty wide catalog of what you can drive. Your insurance for the vehicle and any kind of maintenance, repairs, anything like that. The only thing you do is buy gasoline. And whenever you want, you say, hey, I need to switch out cars. So if you need a convertible because it's a beautiful day, I said need. If you want a convertible because it's a beautiful day, then you drive that. If you're taking a road trip and you need to have a minivan or an SUV to take, your family and your stuff, you get that. If you're going to Home Depot for a home improvement project, then they deliver you a pickup truck. So a lot of what you're paying in the 950 to 1400 a month is to have a, basically a valet service that on a whim, whenever you switch what you want to drive, they bring you a different vehicle. Cadillac's plan is 1500 a month, and then you've got the same idea with a wide variety of vehicles that you can change in and out of, although Cadillac limits how often you can change a vehicle to like every two and a half weeks, I guess it is, you can change to something else. And so this idea is like so many others that start off with rich people. They work out the bugs with it. They limit it more for others. And then they'll offer a plan that might work for you and me where instead of owning a vehicle and all the responsibility for it, you own the right or, or rent the right, let's say, to transportation. And there are going to be many experimental things like this, but I point back to my oldest brother, who for five years lived in Washington, D.C. with his wife when she got transferred there for work. They're now both retired, but... When they got transferred there, they went to Washington with two cars. They immediately sold one because having two cars in Washington was a nightmare. And then weeks later, they gave the other to uh, to my nephew, and or he bought it from them. I don't know if they gave it to him or he paid for it. Don't know which happened. But they went from two vehicles to zero in weeks because it was such a hassle owning a car in D.C. So then how'd they get around? They got around using Zipcar, which is a car service where you pay by the hour when you want a car. You subscribe, you become a member, and you pay an hourly rate to use a car. They used a lot of Uber and Lyft, and they lived near a transit station, so they used the train a lot, the, the subway. And so the way we get around is going to go through continuous experimentation and change over the next five years. There's 
going to be more change in how vehicles operate and how we use vehicles in these next five years than there's been since World War II. A complete and massive change in transportation. And the idea of owning vehicles is going to be something that there will be people that will still want to do that, but it's going to become routine that you will only subscribe to a service. And I know that, I think I talked about last week, the survey that said that three-quarters of people are afraid of self-driving automobiles. But the reality is once you've been in a self-driving vehicle, in minutes, you're completely comfortable with it. And the way we're getting going to get around and could be little pods that transport us like those weird-looking cars that Google came up with, but it is going to change. The price points, again, with the Cadillac thing and the drive clutch, those are only for very, very wealthy people. But don't let those prices I hit you with throw you off what the point is that's coming, and that is owning vehicles may become unnecessary. Remember, the average person's car sits between 93% and 97% of the day. So you're paying for it all month long for all those years when it sits unused for a typical owner, let's just call it 95% of the time. So think about that you're paying all that money for something you're getting 5% use out of, but having to pay 100% of the cost. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. David, you want to talk about your son? Yeah, well, my son, he's been going to a community college for one year, and now he's ready to transition to a traditional four-year school. And we received his financial uh, aid letter, and he was offered about $6,500 in Stafford loans, which is below the minimum. However, what really got me is that they offered me, the parent, 35000 in direct parent plus loans. And uh, it was kind of an imbalance, and I'd really like him to shoulder uh, a higher percentage of the cost. I want to make sure he has some skin in the game, so to speak. And I was thinking about private student loans, but I've heard uh, you always talk against those. And about yeah, and by the way, with the private they, student loans, they'll make you co-sign anyway. So, okay. So you're in so no... Do you have any options for me? Well, um, I'm going to sound like a smart aleck, so please forgive me. Will you forgive me in advance, or... Absolutely. Okay, because I'd really like him to consider when you start talking about borrowing $41,000 for next year, what if he did one more year at community college and then transferred? Because his cost for community college for this first year has been almost nothing, right? That is correct. So if he did a second year at community college and then only did two years at a traditional four-year college, 
the difference in loan obligation would be enormous because you'd be cutting, if I followed your quick math, it'd be cutting $41,000 in loan obligation right away out of the picture. That, that's correct, it would. But he's really um, got his heart set on going, switching. Um, the atmosphere at the community college isn't quite uh, to his liking. Um, so we're just trying to, other than the, the Stafford loans. Yeah, you, I mean, other, you found it. I mean, that is the deal. Is that That's the only one out yeah, there. Yeah, he's okay. got the limit that he can borrow, which his interest rate right now is incredibly favorable. It's two point something percent or low threes. I forget what it reset to. It's very, very good. Yeah, what I didn't understand is why they offered him such a low amount and me such a high amount. Well, because there's because the Stafford loans are there's both subsidized and unsubsidized Stafford, but in reality they are both um, subsidized to some extent. Because the interest rate is so favorable. His is, uh, let's see, it looks like it's 3.76%. And what you were offered was 6.31%. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. So what they do is they tightly cap how much money can be borrowed at that phenomenally inexpensive 3.76%. And then you are paying a much higher rate at the 6.31, which is why they'll let you borrow, uh, gosh, it seems like almost unlimited sums of money. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to take out a loan for that much money each year. That's for sure. Okay. All right. I'm glad to hear that because you heard me shallow <laughs> breathing while we were talking, right? Yeah. 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 Just and it's your money. And I'm shallow breathing about your money, David. <laughs> So that is why the it's unbalanced that way, where so little that he can borrow and so much that you can borrow because of the gimme on that great rate for him that resets each year. That's just for the 2017 school year. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you. You have uh, come through with a phenomenal credit score, haven't you? I have, and I'm amazed to have done, been able to do that. So do you want to brag on yourself? Well, actually, what uh, transpired is that years ago, I'm going to say back around 2010, my wife and I lost two different things. We lost our home, and we lost uh, my school property, which caused us both to go bankrupt and, of course, lose our occupations. And uh, naturally, that sent our credit scores into the into the tunnel uh, into the tombs I guess as you will and uh, I got a ref- somebody uh, locally referred me to a law firm that specializes in credit recovery and in less than I went from about 540 to 766 in less than a year well and, I'm so know, glad that you've been able to recover your life I mean your life's you're fully back on your feet seven years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Your credit is back absolutely fine, and that's great news. So 
how can I be of help with what you went through, which was such, that was such a dark time in your life seven years well, ago. Well, actually, yeah, that's true. I never expected it. I, I always had faith in real estate, and that was our retirement. And I'm in my mid-60s at this point, starting from zero. Well, uh, you know, at the, at the time when all the real estate went belly up, you know, I had plenty of equity, a few hundred thousand dollars of property, and then I couldn't even dump them and get my money back. Well, I am so sorry. Back. I couldn't sell them for what I owed. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I put it behind me. I'm moving on. And the um, point is, is that I am in the construction business. And um, in order to make, make things fly in a more uh, expedient manner, it's often better to have uh, building accounts rather than going in and paying cash every time, although that's what I'm doing currently, I have to say small. But um, as I go forward, you know, a lot of these people that I work for have a, a net 30 kind of a thing. So I wind up either putting my money out or having to wait for them to come up with a deposit, which slows the business down. So I'm looking at the possibility of opening, you know, I, the one thought is, you know, get one credit card like a MasterCard. I'm sorry, for, uh, one big credit card. MasterCard or Visa, credit. sure. That I can use anywhere. Well, if your score is 766, people mm-hmm. should be willing to issue you a Visa or MasterCard. Well, the, that's one thing that I could use anywhere. But the other thing is to have specialized accounts, say, at a paint store, a lumber store, electrical store, right. that kind of a thing. So that, and, I would and rather you do something like else. I would okay. rather you go to a, a true local bank. Small, mm-hmm. small, small, one or two office bank, mm-hmm. sit down with the president of that bank and go over with him or her what it is you're trying to accomplish and that you'd like to establish a line of credit for your business with the bank. Okay. I'd rather you do that than try to open trade lines at all the different supply houses and establish a relationship with a local bank where you can build your business. Now, if that fails, then you can do the trade line kind of things with the supply houses. You know, they've got to lean on the jobs you do, which is why they are willing often to lend to people in the construction business. But the better path, if you can get it done, is to have an ongoing relationship with the bank that they grow with you as you build your business. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks for you. Joel? Clark, Jim has a question. He says, Clark, you encourage people to keep their cars until they've got lots of miles on them. How many miles are on your vehicles? And of the many vehicles that you've owned, which one had the most miles and how many? Well, I'd say for us, it's been minivans or what we drive till they don't want to service anymore and i like to buy vehicles used if you buy vehicles used and typically i've liked to buy vehicles that are two or so years old and then keep them for a long number of years um we bought our first minivan in the mid 90s and kept it till 2004 and then we kept that minivan till 2015 and now we have, uh, well, we're now it's new for us, two years old, that we will drive till sometime mid or late next decade. That's the key is long-term ownership. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? 
Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm so glad you've made time in your day to join us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website, and our deal site is ClarkDeals.com. So when I was at the CES in January, formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show, one of the things that had big buzz there was a software program from a French company that would allow you to control your kids' screen time and what your kids are doing on their screens. has a monthly subscription fee and was a very clever, well-thought-out product. And I reported on it to you back in January. But now Google has come out with something called Family Link that allows you to completely control what a kid up to age 13 does on a device, what apps they use, what time the device goes dark. So let's say you have a kid who gets, like most kids get addicted to a tablet or whatever, and you want them to go to sleep at a reasonable time, You set the bedtime for the electronics, and they shut off at that time. Just flat out shut off. You can control how much screen time a kid has just in general, and 100% have parental control on what a kid is up to. The best part is there is no subscription fee. Family Link is free. And so I love this whole thought process because companies like Google live by you being on devices endless times. So now to offer something that gives you the ability to limit as much as you want, what your kids do online is great because there's a lot of stuff lurking out there that's not acceptable for a kid to see. And you as a parent can't always be aware of what those things would be. So Google is stepping in, providing that for you. Now, there's one big gap here, and I have not been able to find out if this is something that will be made available for Apple products or not by Google. I don't even know if it's that It's part of Google and Apple not getting along, or what the deal is. But your kid has to be on an Android device. And that would be well worth it with a preteen to get an Android tablet instead of an Apple iPad because of the ability for you as a parent to control what they're doing on that device. It could also be if you give a preteen a smartphone, you're able to control 
what they can do on it as well. So in order to sign up for a family link, you have to request an invitation, and then they ration. Google always does this when they launch a new thing because they want to make sure they can serve people adequately. But anyway, to get an invite, just Google, isn't that funny I'm saying that? Google Family Link Google or Google Family Link, either one, and it'll immediately show you the thing. You'll click on it. You'll request your invite, and then you will have control that you will be very happy to have. And the great news with tablets is they just keep getting better and better and cheaper and cheaper. You can now get a a white-label tablet for around $50 that you can buy at electronic stores that'll be some off-off-off brand Android tablet. You want a brand-name tablet like Samsung or LG or something like that, figure you're going to Asus. Acer, those start at about $89, and the price competition from the Android tablets has forced Apple to lower the price of iPads, because the iPads have just been filling up warehouses, unloved, unsold, and so it's bringing the price of the iPad market to a lower price point, not anywhere near the cost of the Samsung or other Asus, Acers, not anywhere near them, but still they are having an effect. And it's funny, we have uh, one of our staffers who's Apple everything got a Samsung tablet and loves the Samsung tablet, and it cost a third what it would have cost her to replace her now broken iPad. Sandy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sandy. How are you? Just fine, Clark. How are you? Good. Now, Sandy, somebody's flattering you by trying to be you, and that's never good. Oh, it is not good, Clark. I watched my credit score drop 100 points in 30 minutes. Um, it, it was unbelievable. So what has happened with you? How far are you deep into this? Well, I think I've done everything I can do. Okay, I received a notification from an online credit reporting service that three credit cards had been applied for in my name, my Social Security number, two were turned down, um, and one from a very large big box store was approved, and the thief was getting ready to have an iPad Pro shipped to my shipped to my home, which kind of startled me. I thought, why would the thief ship something to my home? Okay, um, I'm so glad. Before you go further with your story, I'm so glad you gave that detail. All right, so listen to how sinister and diabolical it gets. So what they'll do, you know, online sales, sales they only want to ship to the same address as the credit card address of record. So what the crook would do is they would follow the UPS or FedEx tracking and they would be waiting outside your home when the truck would show up. They would immediately come grab the package and you wouldn't even know that there was such an iPad being delivered to your home. 
Yes, that is what the police told me. And, of course, my notification was received around 9 o'clock at night. I called my local police. I said, I'll come down tomorrow morning and file a report. And the uh, dispatcher said, no, I think we need to send some someone tonight since someone is watching your house. They kind of led me to believe that very thing. The, uh, the key in this is that they create a fake email address to get the notification that the package has shipped because the email address that they had was one I have never used or created myself. And so that's why you're not even aware that a package is in motion coming your way in transit. Exactly, and I was able to call the big box store fulfillment center and cancel everything and do everything. I've got the, um, I've got the um, the police involved. I've, I've written to all three credit bureaus. I think I've done everything I can possibly do. The except, hard- except the-, the one thing I would really have you do is set up a credit freeze yes. with all three bureaus, which will be in most states is free because you now are a bona fide victim of identity theft. Okay, okay. I think I have a uh, credit, uh, Not it's not a freeze, but they it's a They call it a fraud day. alert? A fraud alert, Yeah, yes, a fraud yes, alert a fr- is a joke. Okay. So you to need know. to know that that's just, that's just a fake idea that the credit bureaus came up with to try to get people to not do a credit freeze. Okay, very good. Well, let me just add one more thing to the mix. Sure. The This happened the day after I called my local doctor to make an appointment. It's a doctor I've had for about 15 years. And the local number directed me to a call center in a large city. And the operator at the call center kept me on hold an inordinate amount of time just to make a simple doctor's appointment. And I think it came from there because they had all my information on the screen. And I do believe it came from there. People are telling me, yo, you should call your doctor's office. I don't think I should call them at all because I don't know who's in on it. Well, you know, it's the problem with identity theft is you never know for certain where it happens. Mm -hmm. And so you don't know for sure that it came from that call center. And unless something happened where you had real proof of that, I would just do the things you can do to protect yourself moving forward. When you go see the doctor, the next time you were in his or her office, tell the doctor directly when he or she is in the room with you, your suspicion, just so the doctor will be aware. I will do that. I will do that. And the police, I've actually kind of bugged them a little bit, my local police department, and they have, they're standing in line with Google to try to, find, to get a, a probable cause order to trace the fake email to the, its IP address. Well, that, so, is, that is fantastic if you can get the police department to do that. You know, well, they were kind of slow on it, but I, I just said I really, I, even though nothing has happened, I'm able to. I've done everything I can do. I was able to stop the fraud before it happened. I really, really want to see this through, and so they're taking it seriously. I'm, I'm pleased about that. Well, I am so glad to hear that. You know, so often with identity theft, 
it is such a low, low, low priority. Because you think about, Sandy, the first responsibility of a police department is to protect our life, our safety. And so those potential threats to a person come way before anything like uh, uh, what would normally be considered to be a low-grade crime like identity theft. Think about what you told me. You said they wanted to send an officer right away because somebody might be casing your house, and that gave it a higher level of threat. Once that was removed, it becomes a low priority again with it being identity theft, and that's why criminals move so freely in the identity theft world because it's never a high-priority crime to investigate for law enforcement because, again, generally, totally nonviolent. Pat is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Pat, I'm really sorry to hear that you recently lost a loved one. Is that right? Yes, sir. My husband passed away in February. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss, and I hope that I can be of some service to you. Uh, How could I I possibly be of some help to you? Well, um, my husband had a a pretty nice term life insurance policy, and um, of course, I'm I'm the beneficiary on that, and honestly, throughout our lives, because we were we were in church ministry. We've never really had a whole lot of money to invest. We've never, I don't know anything about investments. Um, we, of course, didn't have any retirement or anything like that. And so now I have the opportunity to have some money to, to make sure that I have enough to live on. But I don't know how to do that so that it won't run out. Well, Pat, first of all, again, I wanted to express my sympathies to you. And I have to ask you a question. It's always difficult to ask sure. a woman. How old are you? I'm 62. All right. And are you continuing to work for years to come, or would you like to stop um, working sometime soon? No, I'm, I really enjoy what I do, and I, I don't have any definite plans um, for retirement or anything like that as far as a timeline is concerned. I'm, I'm in good health and I have, a, you know, have a job that you know, pretty much takes care of my, my, my living needs. So this is really time. money for down the road, and you want to preserve it? and have it grow for you as best it can for your future. because I probably won't have any other means of, um, you know, income once I do uh, retire or quit my job. Okay. And if you were to grade your knowledge of investing from, let's say, 10 being extremely knowledgeable to 1 being knowing very, very little or almost nothing about investing, where would you put yourself on that scale? It would definitely be a one. <laughs> okay. So in that definitely. case, this is an uh, unaccustomed to you large sum of money that that your husband made sure you would have in the event of his untimely passing. Right. And That's correct. you've got to be so careful. And there are, unfortunately, there are people out there who will take advantage. Right. So I'm going to recommend a couple of things that might be ways that you could protect yourself. And the first, I would like you to interview three fee-only financial planners. Fee-only? Right. These are people who get no commissions for anything that they would recommend. 
and they are what is known under the law as a fiduciary. They legally must work for what's in your best interest. Okay. And there's a trade association where you can find, based on your zip code, people near you who are um, fee-only planners through a group called the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. You don't have to remember that. I've got information on NAPFA on my website at clark.com. Okay. I think it would also be great if you sat down with somebody at, uh, as an example, Fidelity Investments Mm -hmm. or Charles Schwab or maybe both of them. Okay. And then the other, you won't sit down with somebody, but I would definitely talk to somebody as Vanguard. Okay. So I'm giving you a part-time job. I want you to talk with three <laughs> independent financial people. Right. And I'd like you to okay. talk with three of the big financial houses that I really trust. All right. Now, Vanguard, if you were to use them, will charge you roughly a third of a point per year to manage your money for you. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty much the lowest cost to do that. And typically, the fee-only financial planners I'm talking about will charge you 1% to do so each year. After you decide which one you wanted to go with, in other words, they charge you that much? Right. Okay. So I want you to talk to three of those type of people, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity. Meet with all six. Okay. And Vanguard, again, the meeting will be by phone. The others will all be in person. Mm-hmm. And then make your best decision from those six sources who would be where you would feel the most comfortable having somebody manage this nest egg for you. And again, Pat, I'm really sorry about your loss. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm Mick Garris. When it comes to horror, you might know me as a writer, producer, and director. But I also love making people open up. I'm getting together with the most fascinating people in fright filmmaking. I'm going to pick their brains and find out what they know. But if they've got any secrets they're determined to keep, I have ways of making them talk. Download new episodes of Postmortem with Mick Garris every other Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.